Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Club 46, driven by Bridgestone. We've had so much fun over the last two seasons talking with all-time great Cleveland Browns, mixing in a couple of current Cleveland Browns, and we are thrilled today to be joined by a man that, well, if anybody is a Browns fan over the age of 45 to 50 years old, they remember him very well. Gerald McNeil, welcome to Club 46. It is great to see you again. God, dog, man, it sure is great to be talking to people up in Cleveland, Ohio, man. I, I, uh, I, I'm telling you right now, you know, the buzz is going on about the team. And, of course, my heart bleeds orange. And, uh, you know, so that's always exciting times and uh, some real excitement going on in Cleveland right now. We're going to do a lot here over the next half hour or so, Gerald. We're going to talk about your story, your path to the Browns, and more importantly, what you've been up to since leaving the NFL. But I want to start with a simple question because I've been talking to a lot of Browns fans over the last week or so, telling them that I'm going to be speaking to Gerald McNeil for Club 46. And Ice Cube, if I may, uh, (laughs) the reaction is always the same. A huge smile flashes across their face and they say, Ice Cube, McNeil, my gosh, I can't wait to hear what he's been up to. What is your reaction when you hear Cleveland or Cleveland Browns? Man, I, you know, it's, it's amazing how, you know, we, we always have a same kind of old Louisiana, Texas boy that, you know, the man above always puts you where you need to be. And uh, that's what happened to me in regard to Cleveland and my affiliation and my affection with the Cleveland Browns. Because listen, nope. People don't understand the story. We'll get into it. But, you know, I didn't want to come to the Browns. That's the reason why I went to the USFL and played with the Houston Gamblers and Jim Kelly is the Browns had told me they were going to draft me. I was petrified. Just, you know. (laughs) (laughs) What were you afraid of? Listen, so the only thing that we get down here in Texas, Louisiana, when they show pictures, it's like blizzard. It's like (laughs) four thirty. It's you know 10 degrees or minus whatever the case is. And we're and man, you guys know, man, I'm wearing a buck 20, doc. So I was just really I didn't think that I could this was a place because a lot of you know athletes, especially nowadays, they try to get into a place where they know I got a chance, I got a shot, but I just didn't think Cleveland was gonna be the place for me because I didn't think I could play there. It was too cold. All right, we'll get into all of that because I'm fascinated by how a kid from Colleen who goes to Baylor um, suddenly uh, finds himself adapting to the cold winters of Cleveland, Ohio. But we'll get to that in a second. I want to start, though, by just going back to the very beginning for you, Gerald, and, and sort of having you take us through your childhood. What was it like being a young little ice cube? What was what was your youthful <laughs> years like? That's a great question, guys, because, hey, listen, I've got three older brothers. I am the accident in the family, okay? <laughs> my mom had when she was like 42. My, my, wow. my, mom, is not, my mom is 95 now. She lives here uh, with me there in the Houston area, and uh, it's, just, it's just a blessing. But, but check this out. So the, the, the weight of my brothers, okay, is 320. 265 and about 210, 225. Okay. Wow. It was boom, boom, boom. And then I'm in between. So they were like, bam, bam, bam. 
I'm 10 years behind them, okay? So coming up, it was like, we take pictures, especially family portraits, man. You see the pictures like, man, who is this guy? <laughs> it's like you with a bunch of linemen. That's right, a bunch of linemen. My brothers were very good athletes and they were big. So in high school, I followed them in school and they were all state. I mean, just, just really good football players. All of us went, they went to Baylor, okay? So coming behind, my mom didn't let me play a lot, especially young. And then, you know, you know, I was like, wait, wait a minute, mom, listen, that's not fair. All of them got a chance, and, you know. And then finally, kind of like my junior, senior year, she let me go out. And, and I always ran track and I was real, real fast. And we had a lot of great track team. But I got a chance to go out for football. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. But I, I, I got to tell you now, they were really giving me that on my speed because at 110 pounds, they, you know, they really didn't kind of fit the mold of a, you know, <laughs> a football player, especially going to Baylor University. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I imagine that those that had been affiliated with Baylor for a long time and remember your brothers probably right. looked at you and said, wait a minute, this is That's, the McNeil boys this, brother. Hey, listen, Greg Taft was our coach. Listen, you guys got to look that up. He's a legendary coach. His name is sure. Grant, okay? Uh, Hall of Famer and everything. And, and he was the coach then. But a guy by the name of Cotton Davidson was the guy who recruited me. So he told Grant, hey, listen, I'm going to go over and recruit another one of those McNeil kids. In his mind, he's like, oh, man, those guys have been great football players for us. Hey, go ahead. But I never met. Coach never came. He said, listen, you don't need me. The McNeils know us. So he never said, when I walked up to shake his hand, if you look at his face, it was like, what? Oh, man, Who are I, you? I, I was about a five to 108 pounds. And he was like, man, we're going to get that kid killed, man. But uh, wow. the coach said, man, let's just stay with him. And let's just, you know, see how it works out. So that's kind of Well, funny. it worked out extremely well. You had a very good uh, career at Baylor. And you had some good teams. And you had some great coaches some other really good players. So take us to the point now, Gerald, where you finished your senior season, had a terrific senior season, not just as a return specialist, but as a wide receiver. And now you're looking at the landscape of professional football. And at that time, that, as you mentioned, didn't just include the NFL, that included the USFL. So what right. was that time in your life like? So it was a, per a perfect scenario. The Browns had already called my, my brother's my agent. Okay, so they had already called my brother, Mr. Moore, and say, listen, we're going to draft him. He's available in. We're going to take a shot at him. <laughs> I was a what they want to call a Kodak All-American, you know, All-American team. At that time, the All-American team would go and you would fly out to L.A. and be on the Bob Hope show. Yeah. Okay? There were parades you across. That, that, we got to talk about that. That experience was just unbelievable. But when <laughs> When I got back off of that plane, I'm flying hot, man. I'm like up here. My brother's like, listen, calm down, okay, calm down. <laughs> he, 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 and here's the scenario. Nobody in the NFL thinks that you got a shot. I, he said, I understand that on draft, you get all these phone calls, but here's reality. Man, you got to prove to them that you can stay healthy and withstand some of that, that, that pressure, right? So he says, listen, they got, a, they got a team down here in Houston, okay? They got this kid named Jim Kelly, and we're going to fly out to Miami because they were playing in uh, uh, Miami that week, and he said, we're going to watch them play. There was a run and shoot. They had Miles Davis, you know, 
all that story. So I'm sitting up in the press box and I'm looking and he said, you think you can play in this office? I'm like, man, I just, God, he's throwing that ball all over the thing. Jim, Jim Kelly is, of course, a Hall of Famer, right? So I'm looking at a young Jim Kelly slinging that ball and I'm like, man, that looked like a lot of fun. He said, well, here's the deal. I'm, I, I think this might be a good situation for you, okay? So here's the, the plan is this, go here, play two or three years, just like you would do in Canada, you know, Canadian football, whatever, prove that you can stay healthy. That's the key, that you can withstand that, that beating. And then just might, the NFL, you, you might get a shot in. And guess what? Have, happened just like that. Went, went over two years in, Donald Trump, of course, our president advised our team, merged us together, but we lose the court case, but the Browns had drafted me anyway. So I had to be on a flight from Sunday to Monday from New York City coming into Cleveland. And I was scared to death, man, but it happened just like that. So Definitely. what time of year was it when you came into Cleveland for the first time? Oh, this was like in fall. Okay, so when I'm coming into Cleveland, this was like in training camp, right? In, so they, were, they had already been about two weeks in the training camp when I got there. Oh, right? okay. So it wasn't right? cold so, then. I mean, you were feeling the Texas no, heat no, at no. that point. No. Actually, I had a whole nother thing on my mind then. I wasn't thinking about the weather. You know what I was thinking about? What's okay, that? two years ago, here it is, a guy that I told him, no, I'm going to forego the draft and go somewhere else. And then I got to come back to the same boss you're in, so petrified. Because like telling oh, you know, and then, oh, then you come back and say, oh, yeah, 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 that's not where, you know. That's not what I meant. And, you know, I had to come back in. And, man, I was really, really, really scared coming here because it was right at training camp and it's right into the season. So, uh, you know, I mean, I hit the ball rolling, definitely. So you couldn't have come to Cleveland at a better time in terms of no. the team being successful. What was it no. like for you coming in to the Browns organization at a time where really – they were waking up from a period of dormancy and they were ready to play some competitive football. Yeah, the team was loaded. <laughs> Come on, yeah. Kevin Mack, Biner, of course, the receivers with Brennan and Langhorn, Webster, uh, 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 Clarence Ozzie Weathers. Newsom. Clarence Weathers, Ozzie Newsom. Oh, I ain't even giving it to Ozzie, man. That was just, hey, listen, I used to see Ozzie do stuff and blink in practice like, how's he catching that ball like all in one-handers that we see now? I saw that. Ozzie was doing that routinely. Reps in practice all the time, but you know when I when I got there, uh, there was one person on the team because when I got came straight from the plane straight to uh, uh, oh what is that training camp out there and um, oh that, then it was at the um, it was was it in Lakeland Lake, then or Lakeland uh, Lakeland yeah. Community College yeah yeah Lakeland, Lakeland CC so I get there man petrified. There's one person that I saw that was on the team that I played with, played against. Yeah. Okay. It was our kicker, Jeff Gossett, the okay, punter. The punter. He was the punter for the Oklahoma. I uh, played against him in the USFL, but he had jumped ship a year or two earlier, right? So I, man, I run over to his table. I'm saying, like, man, I'm glad I see somebody I know. He's like, man, sit down. We're at lunchtime. You know, it was amazing. Tony Grossi was sitting behind this and it's a great story because this is how I got the name Ice Cube. So, you know, I'm sitting there and he's just like, oh my God, you don't know. So Jeff wastes a drink and, and on the table, he's picking up 
course, you know, you got ice on there. He's picking up and he's in. He's like, man, I got it. I got it. He said, listen, man, I got the greatest. You, this city is going to love you. It's a blue collar city. This is a working man city. Trust yeah. me. They are going to love you because you are like, you beat all odds. So there's just going to be a natural attraction, you know, behind you. So he says, I got it. They need to call you the Q because at that time, the biggest guy in the league was a refrigerator. And the smallest thing you put inside a refrigerator in the ice <laughs> is an ice. Man. Hey, check it out. The next day, Tony Grossi, who sits behind, he's still the beat writer. See, these guys have ear, their ears are huge. Okay? Oh, yeah. All the so in the plane dealer, the next day, it said Ice Cube had arrived. And no, there's no, and, and the nickname stuck. And, uh, you know, and of course, Jeff Gossett, as he's, he, he's a native Houstonian. Every time he's like, man, I made you all that money. You still never bought me dinner, man. What's up with that? You need to buy him one of those Bud Light victory fridges that the Cleveland yeah. Browns were, were celebrating uh, a couple of years ago when they finally got off the shine. Yes, so sir. it's funny. I always thought that, um, you know, I, I in my mind, I, I was young watching you, but I just remembered, yeah, Cube is perfect because trying to bring him down is like trying to pick up an ice cube from a slippery surface. You just can't catch it. You can't, you can't, you can't stop it. And, can't and stop it. that's it, a great, it, that's it, a great story. That's a great analogy. You're, you're right during that time. Now I got to tell you, you know, the league has been one that, that, um, you know, it, it makes a lot of twists and turns, but the one thing that's always stayed true in, in the National Football League, especially the affiliation the players have with the fans, especially the fans and where they're playing in that city. And uh, I, 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 I heard about Cleveland Brown fans and stuff, but I mean, it, it's just no way when I'm, when I'm down here and I'm telling stories, of course, you know, we have the Houston um, Texans or in town here, and I go to a lot of games with the ambassador and all that other stuff. <laughs> I try to, I always go, like, man, I understand that we've got great fans, okay? They they really do, but they have no comparison to yeah. the Cleveland Browns. It's just, there, there is none. Uh, to have that many, the first time I walked in the Cleveland Stadium with 80,000 or snap, I mean, it's, it's, uh, your, your heart just kind of just throbs. It, it's amazing. And it hadn't stopped one bit. It is very special. Bridgestone knows you want the same thing from your tires as you do from the Cleveland Browns. Clutch performance when it matters most. So when unpredictable weather strikes, Bridgestone Taranza tires don't just handle wet conditions, they're built for them. They deliver with the unfazed confidence and quiet control of a clutch performer and make it look easy. Bridgestone, the official tire of the NFL. I imagine that as a young guy growing up, um, particularly a man of your size and your skill set, was Billy White Shoes Johnson, who yeah. of course played right there for the Oilers. I think yeah. he also played for the Falcons, perhaps. But right. was I imagine he would have been your guy as as a kid. He is, he is my idol, no doubt. Uh, you've done your homework, and you've done your homework very well. I don't know if you read that so. But I didn't read it. I just assumed that a young kid from yeah, Colleen, Texas, yeah. who could return the ball like you, right. probably looked to a guy like White Shoes, who was so electric and so oh. flamboyant and fun to watch, as were you. Well, yeah, listen, so Billy White Shoes, Johnson, and I, we're in this group. It's called the, uh, the Gridiron Legends. 
And uh, uh, we, we have a bigger affiliation down here in Houston because affiliated with the Texas Bowl, okay? And, uh, and, 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 and him and I, we're in, I think it's about 30 of us or so. And the first time I got a chance to meet him, man, I was just, you want to talk about heart. Like, I'm, I'm just telling you, you are an inspiration of why I got an opportunity. I'm always thinking about it. But you're right, during that time, you know, of course he had to dance in the white shoes, but he was electrifying. You know, he just, he was one of those, those, those guys to when the crowd got up, they would, they would get up to kind of see what he was doing, you know, yeah. all the time. So I tried to emulate that and, and, and I always told him, I'm like, man, what an unbelievable inspiration. And listen, every time we have our thing, every single time, He's got his white shoes on. Do you know that? that I mean, that is. A <laughs> well, he has to, right? That's part of the his deal pat. now. No, no, listen, he's got the patent leather, real leather. I mean, <laughs> come on, man. He's in unbelievable shape, by the way. Unbelievable I shape. Bet. Look like he'll go out right now. Definitely. I bet. So you, you grew up, you're idolizing uh, Billy White Shoes Johnson. You go to Baylor, you do this USFL thing, and now you're in Cleveland. One of my favorite questions to ask you guys um, over the last two years, and I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll throw both of them out there, and then you can give me your answers. Okay. Favorite teammate and the teammate that put the fear of God in you? No. Actually, he was the same guy. Really? It's the, hold on. It's the exact same guy. And you know who it is? Eddie Johnson. Really? The assassin. You remember Eddie Johnson? Oh my goodness, who doesn't? Flying around he's no like he's ready to knock people he, into next week. He, he's no longer with us. Loved him like I just I mean I, I can't even tell you the amount of uh who when you say my heart drops about Eddie. Now what, what made him your favorite? What, what made him my favorite is um we're going to get to that's the second part. But let me tell you about Eddie one time. So <laughs> Eddie's, and I'm looking at Eddie hit people. So one time I go over, you know, I punched him and stuff. I swear, I punched him. I've never seen a guy. He was hard as a rock. He was, I mean, he was what I epitomize is like a, a steel of Iron Curtain. I, I, my God, man. And then, of course, you know, not trying to be all, you know, crazy enough. I'm like, you know, punching him in my mind. I'm like, well, I know all of us got muscles. We're pretty tight and stuff. But hey, man, that's stupid for that guy to be that <laughs> hard. And, and me to see him hitting people. So I used to look at him hitting. I'm like, hey, man, don't, I'll tell him, don't you ever hit me. I say, I don't care if we're in practice. <laughs> I don't care if you, if we used to go out like we're having a cold beer or something, man. Do not hit me, he'd laugh and stuff. But here's what made him my, my favorite. So Eddie's on defense, right? You know this time? So every single time that I went on the field for punts, for kickoffs, some other kind, he would run. He's on the front line. Normally you're tired when you come off the field. Normally the guys go sit down, sit on the bench, man. Eddie is out there and he's just going rabid and crazy on the side. I'm looking I'm like, what is and Eddie used to tell me, like, you you get me so excited, man. He says, listen, he says, listen, I'm going to tell you something. And he instilled this thought to me. He says, you have the opportunity 
to change each and every game that we go into. He says, you can set the tone. I'm telling you. He says, offense and defense always goes. But a lot of times, people are not counting on special. You say, but listen, field position, and especially what we play here, he says, short fields and what we're doing, I promise you, you have the ability to make an impact every single game that we play. I promise you. He made, and I was like, talking about come on Eddie and then as I, I I go on now remember the first special team coach I had there was Bill Coward right yeah so yep. he's, he's not too shabby right he's, not he's pretty good, good. Um, we're pretty good but coach, coach was telling me that but I just you know I hadn't bought into it until I had my teammates for doing that Eddie Hanford many I called those guys out because do you know those guys were on the punt return team and stuff those were our starting corners man back in the day and that's then, how they did it so, but 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 i had a lot of other guys man mark harper Stephen braggs and just 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 so many of the guys um that, that made it such a special group but i'm talking about sellout so every time that we got ready to go on and make a play they were as much a part of what we we're doing instead of being just the third wheel they made you say, hey, no, you're the first wheel. We're, we're going to get our energy off what you guys do. And uh, we believe that. Schottenheimer taught it. He was a huge special teams guy, of course, along with Bill Cowher. I, and that's what I'm saying, man. I got blessed to get, think about it, small. And I got a chance to be in that coaching system that emphasized that. And, uh, you know, golly, man, it. The rest is kind of history, and that's why I had a lot of success there because they emphasize it so much. I want to take you back to 1986. The Cleveland Browns had never won a game in Three Rivers Stadium. Yeah. And fans were beginning to wonder if it was ever going to happen. But in yeah. 1986, in a hard-fought, very close game, I believe you guys were – the Browns were down four, and you – take the kickoff at the goal line and boom, you're gone a hundred yards. You give the Browns a three point lead. The Browns end up winning the game by three points. Take us through that 10 second stretch of absolute euphoria. What was that like for you? It's a lot more than 10 seconds, man. (laughs) Everybody remembers the return for a touchdown. But nobody remembers I fumbled in that game. Yeah. So let me take you through that, okay? Sure. Three Rivers Stadium was one of the, at that time, that stadium was built like this. Look at my hand. It had like a, a cuff around it, right? It was open in the middle. Doing that track in the middle was open. That was from what we want to call numbers to numbers. But from the numbers... To the sideline was all in in the in the shade. So at that day, it was a sunshiny day, but it is snow and it ice. So there's ice on the field, but during the course of the game and everything, if that sun comes out, it'll it'll relieve that tension in the middle of the field, right? But this is one of the history things. You got to know this because uh, uh, if you're a veteran player. I mean, if you played in it, you know, like, okay, be careful when you get to the sidelines and stuff. It starts slipping a little bit in that middle of the field. You can get it and go. I'm coming up to get and signal for Eric Gaddis and hit. 
I don't know. So like I say, it's 86. So and been in Cleveland long sometimes we're, you know, playing in that stadium. And I go to Philly and I slip. Ball hits my helmet, drops. This is like, you know, 20 yard line, man, you know. So we're gonna call the red zone, okay? They take that ball and they go in. Hey, yeah. I, I I can't tell you that walk coming across, coming back to the sideline. If, if I could take you back and I go through my mind, I'm like, I was sitting there in my mind talking about, it. I can't believe this. You know, national TV, you're going to be the single most reason why we lose a game. I, everybody in Cleveland was like, oh, here we go. Here we go again. Whatever. <laughs> I was one of them. <laughs> oh, whatever can happen. Here we, here we go again. I get on the sideline, right? Coach Coward gets me. And, and Coach liked to talk to him here to hear that he get in your face. Man, listen, he couldn't be in COVID-19 with the COVID stuff going on because you got spit, you got all kinds of stuff coming at you, man. He, but but as he's yelling, he was like, listen, listen to me. He's shaking me and stuff. He's like, listen, we need great field position. I can care, forget that, that that's done. We can still win this game, but we gotta have great field position. Wow. We're in going on and on. Remember that TV timeout is, you know, 15, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Felt like, oh golly, 10 minutes, man. <laughs> By the time it comes out of the TV timeout, okay, I am, I'm dude, I'm pumped up. Coach Calvert has that effect. So that's the one thing that he he can he can make you play at 120 uh, over, you know, the speed limit. I mean, that, that, you, you're not even thinking about 55. You're just so jacked up. Well, I caught the ball, and people remember, I was about five or six yards deep in the end zone. You don't bring that out, man. But here the are like, no, 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 bring, bring it out and going. And as I'm going down, I see Coach Cowers running down, running the sideline. Dude, the whole time, and I never forget as I crossed that and I'm coming back, he tackles me on that sideline. Tackles me, picks me up with one hand and says, listen to me, don't you ever forget that. Don't ever forget. It's not what you've done in the past. You have to, in football, it's a game that you got to have a short-term memory. What are you going to do next? That's why if, you, if you're watching the game, and listen, it happened this past week with Baker. I'm going to bring you guys back. We had a young receiver drop a ball. You remember? All I right? do. Drop yeah. First time he dropped the ball. The next play they come down, what do they do? They throw it out. Because in football, you haven't gotten to this part of your career without being a, a, a player that's got a lot of pride and, and that will bounce back. But coaches want to know, I can care less. I want to know how you're going to react to your failures. Because you're this game, you're going to fail a lot, okay? But I got to see how you're going to react when you fail. And that was one time, and he said that, and it stuck with me forever. It's like, golly, I try to teach that to people a lot. It's not, you know, how many times you get knocked down and that kind of stuff. What are you going to do when you meet that adversity, and can you come out of it? And that was one time. And, of course, there's no question, man. I became a Modell favorite, but I would have liked to be in the press box when I fumbled that ball. That time beforehand, before I got their favor to see what people were thinking all the time, man. But that was the highlight of my career in Cleveland. Bridgestone knows you want the same thing from your tires as you do from the Cleveland Browns. 
clutch performance when it matters most. And when you need maximum grip for confident cornering, Bridgestone Potenza tires aren't just up for the job, they're built for the job. With the tread design engineered for any twist and turn the road may throw your way. Bridgestone, official tire of the NFL. Before we wrap it up, um, I want to, I want to, and this is always tough because I, I lived those games and I know how tough they were on fans. They still are, but I, I, I know, and I've learned from talking to so many of you through the years, how painful those games are. And you know where I'm going. Yeah, buddy. The, the Broncos losses. When you think back to those games and those intense battles and how close they were, and how hard fought every inch was for both teams. Mm. What's your overwhelming memory from those games in those years? The drive was probably, you know, was, was really, really tough. That driving was tough. That's 99 yards in your backyard, and, and that game was over. We had won that game. There's, there's no question about it. Those guys got some lucky bounces. They, yeah, they made some plays, but they had to have everything go right under the grace of God for them to make that analogy, right? So the reason why that one was tough is because I remember on the sideline, we're on the sideline and we're on the defense. I'm already celebrating. I'm like, dude, man, who am I going to get tickets to? I'm going to the Super Bowl. We, and we, it was done. It, it, it was over it. in our mind. We had celebrated that, and I remembered that. And, and it stuck with me because it's just like in life so much, man. It ain't over until you cross that last little bit. But a lot of times you can think like football is a game, and it changes so much. And we, we learned so much of that. And that one, I just didn't get over. And listen, let me tell you the other one behind that. And uh, was was the earnest buying of the fumble. Sure. Okay. And I'm like, hey, listen, EB, that's what we call it, EB. I was like, listen, man, I'm gonna tell you this right now. We are not, we're not even in the game, EB. If you're not walking, if you're not in, in those shoes where you're in today, you had a total of over 200 and something plus total yards running and catching in fact, if you go back to that game. So I don't even think about it. And of course, in his mind, if you remember how just devastating that was actually in the offseason he was traded to Washington okay where he goes on to get a Super Bowl ring and right. we get Mike with for Mike Oliphant you know with everything that goes on but during those times you're talking about the amount of hurt that the players that we felt then I, I of course you have to read it you know E.B. wrote a book it was it was it would make or break you it really would because we still lived in Cleveland. We know how 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 heartbreaking and how you know just just devastated. Now, of course, the fans never showed it towards us, but I'm pretty sure in the backyard of a lot of those, they were like, "God, we just can't believe how close we got." Yeah, I want to wrap up uh, by asking you what you've been up to in your post NFL career. How how are things going for you, and what's life like today? For for Gerald the Cube McNeil, it's it's uh, God has been very very good. That's what we say all the time. Um, listen, I've got my own printing company down here in Houston. Uh, I do, and 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 my biggest. You guys have to go on, and we deliver up in Ohio. We're in Ohio a lot because we buy Amish furniture. 
Uh, I, one of my biggest customers is a place called Gallery Furniture. It's one of the largest furniture chains in the country, okay? And they only have three stores. But we get what makes us so special is we get all our furniture, a good 50% up there in Amish territory, and we truck it down here. So we, we do quite well. And I do all of the printing signs and, you know, you name it for that. So that's been good for about 11 years. And, and it's been a blessing. My wife and I run it. And, uh, you know, things have been good. And we got, uh, uh, like they say, uh, it's been real good because we know so many Americans now are facing some some difficult times. And, uh, you know, to be able to kind of go through that, and, and it's been so good. We're, we're holding strong. And, of course, once we get this vaccine and get our new part of what's going out in 2021, everything will be back to normal for sure. But uh, I'm not missing any Browns games. I'm telling you right now because uh, we're going to end on a good note. Man, the Brownies are back. Monday night's a big game, of course, and uh, I'll be there looking uh, along with uh, many of the viewers that you know you guys got right now. No doubt. You about still it. watch every game? Every game. Yeah, we don't miss anything. <sighs> Look. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, very nice. Come on, man. I love it. <laughs> my, my wife did an unbelievable job of making this for me. And when she did it, I didn't understand why she was doing it, but uh, uh, it kind of keeps me at home. This is where I watch all my games at. This is for sure, no doubt about it. So yes, I watch every game and uh, every moment. I'm a huge Browns fan. I'll be up there next year. This will be from the first years that I didn't make a game only because of what's going on, but I'll be back next year and we'll get a chance to do it again. We'll get a chance to talk again for sure. Gerald, you're a wonderful storyteller, uh, and I know already that uh, this is going to be one of the favorites of our viewers of the Club 46 series. You're passionate. Your love for the Browns still comes through, and uh, we can tell you're living life the same way you played as a football player in your years with the Cleveland Browns. It was great catching up with you. Continued success to you, and thanks again for joining us on Club 46. Hey, man, I look forward to have, doing it again. You know, when I'm down there, you guys ever need anything, go Brownies. Uh, the dog pound is uh, is definitely back. And uh, the playoffs are around the corner. I'm, I'm telling y'all that first, okay? We're right around the corner, partner. <laughs> I love it. The <laughs> Cubes. Hey, thanks for having me, fellas. Hey, it was our pleasure. And thank you for watching another installment of Club 46 Driven by Bridgestone. Thanks so much. We'll see you again soon.